Welcome into ESPN's Ball on the Real World podcast. My name is Kane Pittman, and this is a special homecoming episode and the first NBL episode of the season as well. Alongside me, as he will be all season long, every Tuesday. This isn't a Tuesday, but this is this is a special episode live from Darwin. It's the returning son, the prodigal son. <laughs> Olga Nulic is back where he belongs with ESPN. And I'm biased because I'm friends with this man. But it also means we get the podcast every week together, which is uh, pretty exciting. Olds, and this is your podcast that you started. I started this and you took it over. Um, <laughs> I'm legitimately very excited to do this in person every week. Like you said, every Tuesday. Just to actually just, just shoot the you know what with someone who, who knows this league as well i feel like there, there aren't enough of these um and we didn't really get a chance to reach our potential as colleagues in, in this space and so i'm excited to do this i'm excited to be in darwin which is a sentence i didn't think i'd say ever but this is a cool city i've, I've visited the markets up and down this city it's, it's very cool it is hot all the time um but yeah good to be back at espn good to be channel with you and i'm looking forward to doing this uh so the first the last podcast we did i think every podcast just about we did was via zoom we did one in the famous nbl cup from john (laughs) kane arena but yeah i didn't think that we'd be doing this from darwin i'm about to get out of here so we're recording this thursday morning so we've seen a significant part of the blitz so far i've been going to media day so we've been able to catch up with all the teams up here as well very sweaty very hot <laughs> but darwin's fun it's a fun place to do this i think most of the players seem like they're at least having fun a few of them are complaining about the temperature but i think for the most part people have enjoyed the experience darwin is again this was this is maybe the only major city in this country that i had never been to and it is genuinely enjoyable it's a place that i would recommend people for like a long weekend come out to darwin go see the waterfront go do a crocodile thing at some point uh, I was only told yesterday not to swim in beaches. That was something that would be really nice to have known a bit earlier. You didn't uh, go in. Though. I didn't go in. but Well, you're still here, so I guess that's... Thank you. <laughs> uh, but that was something I didn't know. But the, there, is, there is stuff to do here. The market culture is really cool. Yeah. There is a really cool like Asian population here. That So you, there are awesome like food stalls that open up, really good Vietnamese and Thai restaurants out here that I, I wasn't expecting because I just don't know enough about the city. Um, and the fans at the games, uh, they seem really engaged. Like they they practically packed out every night. Um, and everyone just seemed like excited that there's basketball here. They just don't, they had the salties in the NBL one this season, but they just don't get enough of it here. Um, and I think the games have been generally pretty good. I think they've been like relatively high quality throughout. There've been some little lulls and obviously injuries that we're going to talk about, but overall the quality has been pretty solid. It has been. I think the locals have enjoyed it. I also have come across a number of fans that have made a journey to Darwin for the Blitz. I was talking to someone from the Wildcats yesterday and they said that they bumped into an elderly couple that drove from Perth no. to watch the Wildcats. And I guess to see Bryce Cotton, did he have 37, 36, yeah, 37? 36 in that opening game, That's which was a cool reminder as well. That's right. I forgot about Bryce for a little bit. It's because Jalen Adams came into the league for right. a season, just tore everything up, won a championship, won, a, won an MVP. And I just forgot that, not that Bryce existed, but that, yeah, he's, he, it, they were going back and forth as the best player in the league. Now I think it's pretty clear. It's pretty obvious again. 
Yeah, longevity as well for Bryce. I mean, mm. He's been doing it tight. It always happens if someone does it season after season after season, people forget. Uh, let's get into the basketball. And unfortunately, though, we're going to start with the bad news from the Blitz. And there's been so many injuries. I yeah. think last night for me, the most uh, jarring one, yeah. you were in the arena. I was watching on KO from the hotel room. Ariel Hook-Porty uh, does not look like, good. Give me like shivers just thinking about it. So... He went down, um, he immediately, he did all the, the things, right? He, he looked behind him, immediately grabbed the back of his left foot, and then he started crying. Um, he, he was also just yelling, don't do this to me. So the assumption immediately was that he did his Achilles. Um, and you could tell just watching him and watching him just writhe on the floor, his whole the next year of his life was just flashing before his eyes. Like he, he knew that this is going to impact my life in a significant way. Um, it was a, a really like stinging moment because then you, I was, I was sitting on the baseline and I had a bunch of players and former players around me. They went back on the stream and they were watching. And so they watched him do it. They watched him turn around to see if anyone had kicked him, that sort of thing. So everyone knew it, knew what would, what happened. I think Melbourne knew pretty quickly what happened as well. And, all the players came around him. They, they knelt around him. They helped him off the floor, that sort of thing. Um, so for him personally, like it's the good and bad is that he's 20, which it sucks that this happened. This had to happen to a 20 year old, but he's got a long future ahead of him. Um, like the athleticism, we've seen it come back from guys with Achilles tears. It just sucks that he's probably going to have to, well, he's going to just, a year of his life has just been almost, of his career has just been taken away from him. This is huge for Melbourne. Yeah. Um, it's huge for him and his career, as you said. And last year for, well, particularly the second half of the year, he came on so strong. And he was in the fringe draft calculations. He decides to come back. And, you know, maybe this is something that would have happened anywhere. Who knows? But the fact that it's happened out here when he was, I think everyone was excited to see him ha have a big season. Um, I mean, it's a blow for the entertainment factor of the league, for starters. Oh, he's, especially because... We hadn't seen him play this season yet with Shea Illy. Yeah. And he had that really good connection with Shea when it came to coming off pick and rolls and, and as like a vertical up threat. Um, and we would have seen that as well with Xavier Atan Mays. He's a guy who can get to his spots and, and he can throw those sorts of passes too. So it sucks from, from that perspective. From a Melbourne perspective, it's not great either. You know, they had, they, they were sort of a high risk, high reward team in which their two true centers were Ariel Hakporty, who's very young. Um, and still growing, really talented, but he's still pretty inexperienced. And then Isaac Humphreys, someone whose ceiling is extremely high, but he's had a bunch of injuries. You don't know what he was going to look like. You don't know if he's going to have longevity this season. And so that was sort of insurance for one another. Now, with the team has yet to officially say it. They might by the time this podcast comes out, but we are working. They they fear that he's done it, and I'm told that they're, they're preparing for surgery already. Um now they're going to have to lean on Isaac Humphreys a lot more at that center spot. We might have to see a lot of some Jordan Caroline at the five as well, which I don't know how that's going to look. He's pretty undersized. His touch hasn't been there all season, so I don't know how he's going to fare there. Um, and then, I don't know, do we see some David Aquera at the five too? So I'm still waiting to hear back from the league as far as what an injury replacement for a next Styles player looks yeah. like. We're just not entirely sure. Um, but for, for that team, it's a big blow because – Hakporty could start on a bunch of NBL teams. So the fact that they had him and Humphreys, who looked good last night, they could have had a really imposing front court. They could have played them together too. Now 
you lose a really, really big piece. Yeah, Caroline won for 11 last night. He did pick up 14 rebounds in 22 minutes, and he will be... He's going he's gonna to be the problem on the glass in this league. But yeah, I think offensively, the skill set that Hook Porty had was going to be interesting to see um, how he developed that. And Humphreys, even talking to him the other day, I asked him about the, the battle with Hook Porty, whether mm. it's for a starting position. And Isaac was like, well, I'm really taking it pretty slow at the moment. I need to ease my way into it. And now it's like, do you have time to ease your way into it? And clearly they're going to be cautious with him, but it's problematic. And yeah, even just from a roster building point of view, it would have been better if Hook Porty was an import rather than a next star in terms of maybe being able to bring someone else into into the roster there. So that's problematic for Melbourne. I wonder I wonder if they decide to let's say obviously move on from the next star or at least keep him on the roster, whatever. But there were rumblings going into last night's game. Because Melbourne had looked a bit shaky in their first two preseason games against Brisbane and their first game at the Blitz, which was a loss to Illawarra, there were rumblings already that Melbourne and Southeast Melbourne in particular might be the first teams to shake up their imports. I wonder if this might be a catalyst to bring in a need as opposed to, I don't know, just relying on Isaac Humphreys, who, again, if healthy, can can do the job there, but that's the big question mark. So I wonder if do you bite the bullet on one of your other imports and, and bring in someone who feels that need. I don't know if they, they might do that, but it, it would make sense if they did. Well, if it's on a needs basis, they probably need Jordan Caroline. They're not getting rid of Rajon Tucker. Yeah. And Xavier Ritame has had 22 points last night and looked pretty, <laughs> looked pretty good. So, yeah, yeah that, that would be interesting. But you mentioned Southeast Melbourne. And they've had a disastrous start to the season from a health point of view. And yeah. we knew that, they had a few injuries, but I guess until we were up here in Darwin, we didn't know the extent. So they're going to go through probably the first two to three rounds without Ryan Brokoff is coming back from a hamstring. Yep. Trey Cal, two to three weeks with the cracked rib. Cracked rib. Uh, Gary Brown last night hurt his knee. Uh, they're saying that he's going for scans tomorrow, but there's some suggestion around the Darwin uh, metropolis that <laughs> it could be weeks for him as well. Mitch Creek didn't come to Darwin. Yep. You know you're in trouble. I was talking to Simon Mitchell yesterday, and you know you're in serious trouble when the coach says, look, this isn't the ideal start, but we had a, a tough finish to the season last year. I think we ran out of legs. So the positive is guys will have fresh legs for the back end of the season. That's when you know <laughs> you're in real trouble. Yeah, I I sort of knew they were in trouble when during these Blitz games, we're seeing a lot of like Junior Madut, yeah. Grant Antisovich pick and rolls, which... For both are talented and both can make an impact, but from like an NBL team, I sh- we shouldn't be seeing that much of that. And it seems like we're going to have to because this team is just going to be so limited to start this season. Um, and then, and again, I don't want to start rumor mills or anything, but yeah. biting the bullet on imports usually happens when you know you're going to miss them for a significant yeah. amount of time because we saw last season what what it meant when you drop a few games. Perth was leading the league like halfway through the season and then they dropped off because they had an injury to an import. Like missing imports means that you're probably going to, you might drop some games, especially that Mitch Creek hasn't played any preseason games yet. So what's he going to look like when he comes back too? It's, it's a scary thing. And because if you start the season bad, there's, there's almost, there's sometimes no recovering from that. Uh, Tazzy round one for Southeast Melbourne as well. So if, there's a team that you probably didn't want to play just purely from an effort point of view. It's it's Tassie. So they're going to be in good shape there. 
unfortunately, we keep going through the injuries. So New Zealand. So mm. out of all the guys that I think people wanted to see actually play in New Zealand and be on the floor in that first home game, Tom Abercrombie is probably at the top of the list. And he lasted 45 seconds-ish. I don't even know if it was that long. It was, it was their first game against the Bullets. Really cool. See Abercrombie back on the floor. Yeah. Really cool. See Aaron Baines out there too. Yeah. Uh, then Aaron Baines, yeah, he saw Tom Abercrombie, an inadvertent arm, flailed around, got him in that left eye, tore his retina. Scary. Went back. He, he flew back that night. So he was on like a red eye. Yeah. Um, excuse that pun. My goodness. <laughs> um, he was on a red eye back to Auckland for emergency surgery. He's got that. The team tells us that their tweet was weirdly uh, vague. It was uh, his recovery time could be longer than first anticipated. Um, I'm told that that is probably going to be at least two months. And they're already looking at injury replacements. The injury replacement market is not very big right now. There's just not much out there. If you're looking at guys who can make an impact, maybe like a Tad Dufelmeyer, who I'm surprised hasn't been picked up. Maybe a Lockie Barker, that sort of player, but there's not much out there, and Abercrombie is going to miss a significant amount of time. Uh, Brisbane. So you mentioned them. So not necessarily injuries now, but possibly just management of players. And there's a lot of hype around Brisbane for valid reason. I think yeah. even the fans in Darwin, you could tell there was a different energy when Baines was called out in the starting lineup. Yeah checks into the game everyone's excited to see him play but it's going to take some time it's going to take some time for him to work into into shape and he admitted that he said he was gassed in the first game i think he played sort of 12 to 15 minutes and, and he was feeling it there uh, nathan Sobey's on a minutes restriction as we know we'll see how that plays through the season but just another team that everyone has high expectations for that maybe there needs to be a little bit of patience at the start of the season i think Patience, definitely. I think that ceiling is super high, though. Yeah. Because it looks like Aaron Baines is clearly effective in this league. He's, yeah. he's already the best rim protector. <laughs> yes. He's just he's just so smart. Um, and he's a really cool leader. He The first possession of, of their first game at the Blitz, I think Aaron Baines went to get in position under the rim. Someone was driving. Tyler Johnson kind of went and like whacked an arm, got fouled someone, and Baines looked him like deep into his soul and just yelled at him angrily. And there is a sense that Baines is, is training his dudes to, to not reach, don't gamble, I've got you. And so, like, that is exactly what you want from a leader. Um, I'm just interested to see how Tyler Johnson comes along because he hasn't looked too productive so far. I think he'll get his feet under him. I think he'll learn how the league works and learn where his spots are because he's super talented. Um, but we haven't, I don't think we've seen close to the best of him. I think Devondrick Walker looks really good as a shot maker. I think that's exactly what that team needs. Um, and then, yeah, Sobi, I think it'll take quite a bit of time for him to ease his way back into doing close to what we know he can do. Um, but when all is said and done, Brisbane looks really solid. And their bench is cool, too. Their bench is basically like the NBL One North champions with some like added bits and pieces to it. So they've had chemistry playing like all winter long together. Uh, one of the cool things about being in the venue that we've been at, been at in Darwin is that you can hear everything. So the vocal element of Aaron Baines has been clear for everyone to see. And I had some people come up to me and suggest that, geez, maybe Baines needs to cool it a little bit. He's going <laughs> crazy. So I asked him about that. And he said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm demanding. He goes, I know that, that it can be 
confronting for some players. Uh, but he says it's coming from a place of love. They all understand that. I'm not I'm not legitimately mad at them, but I need to be demanding because we don't have a lot of time yep. to set the standards defensively. So I think it was really cool to just get that element of, of what he's doing because he comes back. And for me, it would be easy to say, well, he's got a lot going on with his own return and focusing on that, but it's still all about the team. There was There was a moment in that first game where Baines had checked out of the game. He wasn't going to get back in. And he looked to the bench and was like, the, the Brisbane benches, they're young guys, especially relative to him. Yeah. And he sort of, he didn't tear into them, but he explained something <laughs> in a really, really aggressive way. And it took him about a minute to, to realize, like, maybe I was a bit, maybe that was a bit too much. So he went back and he sort of like tempered it down, apologized a little bit, like explained himself. And I think that's what he's learning now. Because we're seeing him play with a big smile on his face. I think he's learning that when he's, berating guys in like obviously a very like constructive loving way he's not talking to like jason tatum or Jalen yeah. brown or yeah, these yeah, guys yeah, like yeah. he's talking to tanner cribs and yeah. harry froling like they haven't achieved they're not nba guys so i think he's learning how to communicate with his teammates once he gets once he nails it i think he's going to be very very good and i think brisbane could be one of the better defensive teams because of that oh i think you're right and one of the other things we saw in the first game that we played he was getting into some by-play with the opposition. Yeah. And Nathan, so we, so we were talking, just having a general chat about you know, people talking on the basketball court and trash talk and all that. And he said, well, actually, Aaron Baines was talking more than anyone on the court. <laughs> and I asked uh, Aaron about that. And he said, uh, he said that he actually had to pull himself up after the game and he sat everyone down and explained to them that, uh, you know, I was carrying on a little bit. That's not the way I want to be. That's not the way I want our team to be. We focus on ourselves. We focus on the defense. Don't get caught up in that stuff. Have fun. Um, but that's not that's not who we want to be, which I thought was just fascinating because it gave a little bit of an insight into just the excitement of playing basketball again. Because that was yeah. clearly him just uh, adrenaline, everything pumping. He seemed so excited to be back. Yeah. And also just to learn. Like after games, he'll sort of huddle up with the officials and and but not not in like a sneaky way but in in a way he's trying to learn mm -hmm. because he is such a good rim deterrent and he's such like a dense human being like just his presence in there him learning like which spots he's allowed to be in and that sort of thing it's it's the thing that we don't see when we get like an alan williams type who comes in and can't stay out of foul trouble because it's very it's it's an awkward thing to adjust to how the NBL is officiated especially if you're a big man and we've seen that over and over again i feel like we see that over and over again with southeast melbourne bigs it seems like a really specific thing with them. But Baines is sort of making sure that's not going to happen with him. He's always in the right position. He doesn't foul. He, he just knows where he needs to be and he knows how to stay out of foul trouble. Where do you want to go now? Um, well, I think we've got most of the bad news hmm. out of the way. What about, is there a player that you've seen that has stood out to you, whether it's a young guy, a new import potentially? Is there is there a guy that you've liked? So Luke Travers looks to be coming into his own in a really big way. And before last night's game against Melbourne, I had Perth as sort of the in my tier one of yeah. they are the front runners. Um, some of their deficiencies were shown last night that, that they don't really have a, a great inside presence when it comes to size inside the paint. But Luke Travers as like a two-way beast is going to be a thing this year, I think. Um, they're putting the ball in his hands a lot. He's, he's playmaking. I think he has a really good chance to be defensive player of the year. He's sort of, he's the primary option on opposing point guards. He's, he's getting in the passing lanes. He's 
got good verticality. He's just doing all the right things. And I think he's just the, he's showing himself to be the perfect complimentary guy to, to Bryce and the shooters on that team. Um, really like what I've seen from him. We only saw a glimpse of what DJ Ho could do, hmm. but I think, and he, he started, it's, it's a weird one. He started off hot here. Yeah. I think he had four threes in that first quarter and he sort of tapered away a bit, but you can, you can tell that he plays at his own pace, which is really rare for a, an import coming in. Um, that it just looks like he'll be able to, to sort of do what he wants at this level, um, which for cans, I think they'll need that. I don't know if they've nailed all of their imports. I like Taj uh, McCall. I like DJ Hogue. I would have liked to see another wing. If you're going to put the ball in McCall's hands, I want to see another wing, another shooter, your, your DJ Newble type. Um, but yeah, DJ Hogue is, is a really cool player. I think he'll be one of like, the more exciting players to watch this season. Just quickly on Travis and people... Well, look, anytime you bring up plus minus, there will be some people that will completely disregard it. But they were completely destroyed in that game by Melbourne last night. Yeah. But Travis played 23 minutes and they were only minus five in that time. When he was on the floor, they looked they looked good. They looked competent. They looked good on both ends. And yeah. you, you feel comfortable when he's got the ball. For me, another Cairns player, uh, Bull Koala, I thought was awesome the other night. He had 22 points. But the thing that was interesting to me, because he did this a little bit with, with South Sudan, uh, for people that were able to catch those games, but he was five for five from two, so he actually didn't shoot the three very well. But he seems like the finishing, the ability to put the ball on the floor, which we didn't see a lot of last season, has, yeah. has gone to a new level. He's an exciting player, he's cool, he plays the right way. Um, something about cans that sort of irks me, and I hate to step on the book wall point because he has been good and he he plays like really uh, like square. I don't know if that makes sense to anyone, balanced, yeah. Um, like he, he's really deliberate about his movements. Um, but Kansas is, is a weird one because I've been told that they're sort of, they're, they're deliberately not going through all of their sets in order to obviously create some mystery going into the season. They don't want to reveal too much of the blitz, which I understand in one respect, but in the other respect, you have a lot of new players. Your team is relatively young. I feel like repetitions in your sets, learning the reads in your sets probably more important than hiding them from the league because you're going to go through them in the first game anyway. Like the league is going to, like, it's a pretty well-scouted league. Like, teams will find out. Um, so I found that kind of odd that Adam Ford is, is sort of just letting him, his guys play, like, five out for most of the game, um, which sort of sort of annoyed me because you've got Bull Kowal, who, like, who could, he's really good in a system. And he, he he's, as a complimentary guy to, what, DJ Hogan and McCall and these guys, he'd be great. But it's just he's playing a lot of one-on-one ball, and I just don't want to see that. I think the Blitz in general, it's been interesting to talk to different coaches and some of them that perhaps have been around the block a few times are happy to tinker with a few things. And then there's there's guys like, well, Scott Roth, first of all, I, I will say that there's been a number of people from different teams that have come up to me and just said, I cannot believe Tasmania first game of the blitz is doing the same stuff again. Like they just literally do not have a night off. Yeah. But they, there isn't a lot of time in, in the preseason. So someone like Illawarra, for example, with Jacomas, who's trying to figure out how to be a head coach by his own admission, learning on the fly. And but I think pretty refreshingly honest about where he's at mm. in terms of taking the job. They don't have any time to waste. Exactly. So they want to they want to get all their pieces together and they want to have a good start to the season. But perhaps some of these other teams that have got more disruptions 
a more understanding of, of it, the fact that it's going to be a process. But uh, what about speaking of players that have played well? So, and there's the next star program. It's not exactly a bumper class, shall we say, in terms of volume. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. They're, no, you nailed it. They're few and far between. Yeah. Isn't there is one like assuming Huckport is one. out for the season, there, there's a singular man. Yeah. But he's a good one. Rayan Repair has been really awesome. Good. He looks like a player like right away. And I'm told that he's already Modi's favorite player. Yeah. Um, he works extremely hard. And yeah. I, I don't think that's just like puff that's been given to me. Yeah, like, I got that he sense, he yeah. just works really, really hard. And he's showing things that when when a guy comes in, we get told like, oh, this is a, a long wing player he's defensive minded i'm like cool but he's showing stuff that i didn't really know that he had um and, I'm, and we're still trying to figure out what's real and what's not real so like him coming off on balls and creating off that there's like live ball passes i think that's real like, i think he's doing that really well i think the handle is better than people think it is um we've seen some pull-up shooting i don't think that's completely real no. but the spot-up shooting in the corners looks good i think that's really legitimate and with abercrombie out at least two months they have no choice but to lean on him, not just as a guy on the wings, but also putting the ball in his hands a bunch and sort of letting him go. I think he's, I think ESPN's mock drafts have him late first. I can't see a world where if he keeps doing what he's doing, that he won't creep up, especially because we've seen over the past few seasons, the difference between the first half of seasons and the second half mm -hmm. when it comes to next stars, the second half is always just so inflated. Because they, these guys are young, they learn how to play. If Repair is already at that level and playing with like a ton of maturity for someone who was born in 2004, like there is so much potential for him to grow and get into that lottery. And I don't think that's completely out of the question. I think that's likely. How disgusting is that, 2004? It's the stupidest thing in the world. That's, yeah. So just on the, the work ethic thing because i agree because everyone wants to come out and say well he's a hard worker he's in the gym all the time but oh, he calls at the middle of the night like oh coach i want to train oh i'm still asleep like that so will mcdowell white did say yesterday i trust that man i don't think he would <laughs> i think he would lie to me uh he said that he is legitimately the last guy that's in in fact that it could be a little concerning how hard this guy works he says so he'll be in the gym and he'll finish his shooting after practice, he'll go have a shower, he'll get changed. And then by the time he walks out every day without fail, uh, repair is still only in ball handling exercises. And then he gets to shooting after that. So everyone that I spoke to legitimately said that they were surprised with how well he's shooting the ball. So that's a, that's cautionary there. Six for 11, super small sample size, but he's looked great. And history tells us that uh, guys are moving up with their draft stock from the NBL just in recent years for the guys that have been in the first round another cool story with him so his sister and hopefully i've got this first name pronounced Give correctly iliana i think it is iliana repair it is a beautiful name so she played or plays for the las vegas aces so they won oh, the wnba title two days ago she also is playing for the french national team so she's jumped straight on a plane missed the parade by the way which has to be oh, devastating no. But she's going to be in Australia. As we're recording this, she's going to play against the Opals tonight for France. And the break is to get back to New Zealand. Uh, and and listen, for those that haven't been to Darwin, getting to Darwin is challenging. It's so difficult. It's so challenging. I'm on a red eye tonight 
and I'm dreading it. I've been dreading it for days. I don't. I, I don't know why. Anyway, I I had a we both had a disastrous. They trip. make it so difficult for people to come here, and it's actually quite beautiful here. Yes, and it's annoying that it's so hard to to arrive here. So the breakers are flying, and they have to fly to Sydney, and then they have to get to Melbourne, but uh, sorry, New Zealand. But apparently, they get to Sydney on Saturday morning, and then they they don't fly to New Zealand until the Sunday. So he gets to hang around. So he get to hang around uh, with his sister. I believe they're playing Saturday night. Um, so he'll get to watch a play or at least hang out with her. So that's a pretty cool story. That's very cool. That's very cool. I want to bring up, I got two more things that I want to get off my chest. Um, and I'm sorry if we're going over time. Um, one is Tasmania and the other is officials. <laughs> I promise they're good things. Uh, wow. Tasmania is one of those teams that I get it on paper. Not much, there's not much talent and whatever. They, I want to kind of dispel the notion that they are good because they work really hard and mm. they hustle lots and whatever. Mm-hmm. They have those sorts of players. They do have those sorts of players and they do work harder than every other team. But I think they're good because they're good. Um, I think they're probably the best defensive team in the league and they are good offensively because they have a really good structure. They recruit well in the positions. They know every player knows what role he's playing. And Scott Roth does a really, really good job coaching that team. So I want that sort of myth like quashed a little bit. Like they are the best defensive team and they have good structure offensively. They are small, which is a problem. We saw that against Adelaide, but I think they are going to be in that, in the conversation as a top four. I guess we've got the top six now, but I think they're in that top four just because they're just a really talented team when they're playing together. And I think Milton Doyle and uh, Rashad Kelly upgrades on, Josh Adams and Mikhail McIntosh, at the very least as duos. Um, yeah, I think the current duo is better. Um, so I want to get, to get that off my chest, and we're going to. T- I'm sure we'll talk about them throughout the season. The other thing is officials. When this blitz started, there were a lot of rumblings. So we sit on the baseline, and around us is it's the credentialed area. So it's where yeah. players sit, it's where coaches sit, it's where GMs sit. So we're we're amongst all these conversations. There were a lot of uh, uh, disparagements of officials when it came to. Uh, inconsistent travel calls and just inconsistent calls in general. But that travel call was a weird one. Guys would catch it in the corners. They would rip through and then they'd get called for travels, but it'd be inconsistent. Sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't. It got to a point where halfway through the blitz, that, that stopped happening. And it, and it's not because of complaints or anything, but there is a, a legitimate sense that there is a really good execution of self-correction. Because up in the stands, you've got Scott Butler, who's the head of referees. And they've also got Ronnie Nunn out here, who, former NBA ref. Uh, he's a guy who you would probably would have watched his uh, videos on YouTube, kind of breaking down different calls in the NBA. Um, but he's out here as sort of a consultant as well. And so it seems like they're, they're reviewing their stuff. Uh, they're self-correcting, which is exactly what we want. We want these guys to be held accountable for the decisions they make um, and get better because the product is better for it. So the refs get a lot of crap. And I think quite rightly, sometimes I like, <laughs> I like the idea that there, this is progress of a kind. Yeah. That's a nice one. I think we're close to wrapping this up, but that's a, that's a nice positive way to finish. Uh, one story on the officials I do have while we're here. So historically imports take some time to figure, figure it out. And sometimes yeah. they just don't figure it out. Especially bigs. Yeah. And you mentioned Alan Williams. He played 12 minutes last night, fouled out. Uh, he's, he's made a career on being a super physical, undersized five, elite rebounder, all those types of things. So he's going to be an interesting player to watch 
and particularly because the Phoenix absolutely need him. Let's 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 be honest. We've already spoken about the Andrew concerns, but Justin Robinson with the Illawarra Hawks, he just mentioned something yesterday at media day. Uh, just casually said, "Gee, the officials get a lot of abuse in this league, don't they?" And I said, <laughs> "Yeah, they do." I said, it's also smaller arenas than if you're watching the broadcast, there's mics involved, so you hear a lot of stuff. And he said, yeah, I must admit, it's going to take me a while to figure out the calls. And I got to the halftime of my first game in the Blitz and I had to go up to them and apologize already because I was losing my mind and I was I was just taking it way too far. Um, so I thought that was a nice little moment of self-control from Justin Robinson. Yeah, and there just has to be an expectation across the board that, there is still lots of things to be learned. I, I overheard a head coach and an opposing GM chatting about the new blocking rule, where if a player is, yeah. if, an, if an offensive player is airborne, if a person, if the defensive player is inside the charge circle, if he is on the ground, any contact is a blocking foul. Um, it's again, it's it's a weird rule to get your head around. It's hard to explain because it's got to do with airborne players and non-airborne players, but it just seemed like there is still so much confusion. Like it hasn't properly been explained to these teams. Um, and there's still some relative inconsistency on the floor as well when it comes to the officials because they're still learning it too. So again, this is a work in progress. At the very least, the, the positive is that it seems like there are steps being taken to regulate it in a positive way and to get better at it, which, hallelujah. All right. That's a great way to wrap this up. And by the way, I should mention, I think the one team we haven't really discussed is Adelaide. Uh, there is a lot of excitement about Adelaide as I said, our plan is to have this podcast every Tuesday through the season. I'm not sure whether next Tuesday I'll be in Sydney, the World Cup's on, there's a bit happening. Uh, but certainly post round one, which is actually only a week away, we'll be doing it every Tuesday. And in person, now that you're a, a Melbourneite, a Melburnian. Is that what, is that what you I call us? Oh, I don't use the phrase. I'm a Sydney sider. I'm visiting. Permanent visitor in Melbourne, <laughs> which means we can do these podcasts in person. But just, yeah, with Adelaide, they're obviously going to the US as well. So... There's plenty of time to obviously look at what they do against the NBA teams, Phoenix and OKC, but also they're on a little bit of a different time frame to most other teams. Yeah, and look, we'll, we'll be doing this a lot. I think that the nature of the way we're having these conversations too in person, which again, thank God for that, because I'm just not the giant biggest fan of Zoom. Yes. But doing this means that we can kind of flow through some stuff and we're sort of chatting. It's, it's organized, but it's relatively off the cuff. And I, I feel like this is, this is like a different way for people to consume NBL content. And that's what we want. So any any tips, advice you have, throw away any questions you got, we'll take them. We're pretty we're, we're chill. We're nice guys. I think if people get on board, which we hope they do, we'll, we'll definitely have room for questions every week, Alex. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. All right. <laughs> let's wrap this up. It's good to have the great man back on the podcast that he initiated. Who was the first pod, by the way? Uh, Patty Mills. Jeez, that's a pretty good start. Is it big credit? Who's yours? Who's your first one? Uh, might have been Matisse Thibel, was it? Yeah. Okay, bro. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good name. Well done. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> you once told me that this podcast can only be big names. I did. <laughs> I did. I stuck to it. So did you. Yeah, I think we've done that. All right, we'll be back next week. And by the way, this feed is still going to have all those feature interviews as well. Whether it's myself, whether it's Alt, we'll have. Uh, the podcast there so subscribe and then every tuesday you'll have mbl outside of that if you're subscribed you'll get the notifications and you'll be able to keep up uh, with everything there so until next time 
speak to you guys then. Bye, everybody.